5-4-3-2-1. Hello. You are tuned into another episode of Styles and Driss. We are coming to you live and direct from a new podcast room. Uh, it is at the Wind Group office in Burnsville, Minnesota. And a familiar place for all you south of the river people uh, might know, which is called the Burnsville Center. So if you're listening to this, and uh, you find yourself at the Burnsville Center, stop by the Wing Group office and say hi. Uh, yeah. Happy Saturday. <laughs> we are back after a long, nice hiatus because life is just crazy like that. Yep. And life is still crazy. I mean, I can't promise you that there will be an episode next week or the week after that or the week after that or the week after that. But um, when we record, we record. Yep. So... If you're mad and sad about it, um, I just don't really care. <laughs> so. Anyways, I uh, hope you all are doing well. Um, yeah, like I said, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, Turnstile here I know has a lot to say. Um, no pun intended. Just kidding. Um, he has a lot to say. He just came back from a phenomenal trip out in the California. Uh, we actually have a special episode that will be coming out uh, probably next week mm-hmm. uh, with a special surprise. So stay tuned on the Instagram page. Uh, you're very, you will be very familiar with who this, who this person is. Um, he's a great producer, great dancer, phenomenal person, mm-hmm. um, just an awesome human being. Um, and glad to call him a brother. Uh, it's kind of funny because I think he's older than me, but he calls me Kuya which is fucking weird, but I'll, I'll, whatever, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, turns out, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about your trip? Oh, Jesus. Um, where to even start? I mean, I guess, uh, how about you interview me on this? Cause for me to just like ramble on like that, I want to probably be a little bit more like to the point rather than waste everybody's time with a bunch of extraneous shit. So. No, man, everyone likes it. That's why people still listen to this shit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we, we love it when uh, Styles rambles and then all of a sudden Ozzy just goes, word. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have t-shirts made for this podcast, and it's going to be like your quote, mm-hmm. like a fucking three paragraphs. Yep. And then my shirt's just going to say, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yep. <laughs> That's going to be on the back. Or, hey, man, it is what it is. Is what it is? Fuck it. You did what, you did your thing. You did your thing. You had fun. <laughs> yep. That's all that matters. Yeah. Was it positive? Did it tickle? Great. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, I'll ask you a question. Okay, That's cool. That's fine. All right, man, where'd you go? I went to the Bay Area and Sacktown. I was primarily in the Sacramento area for where I stayed um, in a undisclosed location just out of respect for uh homeboy's privacy and anonymity and whatnot but uh yeah i was uh making several trips out to the bay area oakland and san francisco so it's okay who'd you stay with i stayed with jardy nice yes so so arcuya Mm -hmm. so if you uh if you don't know who jardy santiago is just type in house dance on youtube (laughs) yeah pretty much you'll find him quick yeah um but if you do then you've probably listened to you know, some of our past recent episodes with Jardy in it. Right. Pretty funny. I I think about that episode and I still wish that we would have caught the very, very beginning of it before mm-hmm. I even hit record when it looked like, cause we were doing this over zoom, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and we were trying to to say, hey, Jardy, can you hear us? And he literally just stood there, like, blank face, and said, what? <laughs> and he's like, just kidding, just kidding. You know? Was, yeah. That was fucking classic. <laughs> and, I, and I still, to this day, when I think about that episode, I wish you would have caught that. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah, that's what's up. Stay with Jardy. Mm-hmm. Cool. How was that? It was dope. Um, had a had a really good time out there. Um, he, 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 like, he took me like all over the place, um, in the San Francisco area. Um, he kind of hit like, uh, he hit some of the, like the tourist spots or he was even asking me like, Hey, do you want to go see, you know, this, this, and this. And you know, me, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a shithead dancer. So I'm just kind of like, I want to either go where there's like records or there's someplace dope or something dance related. I could give two fucks about the full house house. I could give two fucks about Mrs. Doubtfire house. Um, I accidentally dro- drove over uh, the Golden Gate Bridge on my, on my way back there. I, w- I went out there by myself to go visit Rob Nasty. And I took like a kind of a roundabout way. So I came in through the north. So I took the 101. And I'm like going through like the Robin Williams tunnel. And I was like, oh, shit, Robin Williams tunnel. Didn't even know that that existed. Right. And then next thing you know, boom, I'm going over the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm like word like i thought the bridge was going to be huge like you know all the pictures and shit that you always see in like movies and stuff it wasn't small but it wasn't like the brooklyn bridge or anything of that nature which is like massive you know and stuff but uh yeah it was it was really dope just going through and um i was out there for the uh soul shifters event which was kind of the it's like a it's like a circle of fire slash soul shifters um reunion get together kind of a thing and um and yeah you get like the two different kind of categories of it right so you got like circle of fire which is like the core members and then soul shifters is like everybody else that they're you know connected with and to and stuff that they can't necessarily like put them in a circle of fire because it's like very like sacred kind of a um a collective or unit and then so everybody else is like in like the the outer uh, I guess you could say if you think of like rings on a tree, it's like, you know, it's like the next ring out. And I mean, so many people are in soul shifters. It's fucking nuts. Um, ran into remind, uh, shout out to remind. He fucking, <laughs> he walks right up to me. He's like, bro, you look exactly the same. <laughs> and I'm like, so do you motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, so that was really dope. Um, they, uh, that Friday they did, um, the event, which was, uh, co-flow, uh, DJ Immaculate and um, it escapes me who else was spinning that night because I kept like between like dancing and going out like on this back patio area and like talking and just building with people and stuff I was like I, I didn't uh, fully get to um, see who all, all else was spinning and then on uh, Saturday there was another uh, dance event that was in Oakland as well um, different location uh, the place that I was at was like this, like, uh, this massive, it, it's like an art house, uh, loft kind of building. Right. I mean, it's huge. And I think it actually set, I think it's called like art house on the outside, but it's, it's called like rhythm, rhythm section or something like that is mm-hmm. where we were at, but it's this huge building and it's really dope because like in Oakland, I was being briefed on like, you know, uh, how you conduct yourself when like parking cars and shit like that, you know, you never leave anything in the in your car um if you can help it uh, 
try to lock stuff as much in your trunk as you can, but even still be like careful with that shit. Cause motherfuckers will just like walk up, break in, pop the trunk, go ahead and take whatever from the, the back and stuff. So I was like really like apprehensive about that until we got there. And then Jardy was like, Oh shit. It's like enclosed parking. They have like this massive gate mm-hmm. and it's all like blocked off and stuff. And, um, and Jardy didn't, he, he, he even told me, too. He says, like, yo, I, I wouldn't have even gone, probably, like, if you didn't show up if I wasn't hosting you. So thank you for coming out because that got me to go and kick it with people that I haven't talked to in quite some time and stuff. So it was, like, a, it was a really, like, special time because uh, uh, me being there, I guess, it kind of got other people to, you know, go out and interact or you know, say like, well, Hey, well, I'm, I'm going to be in the area anyway. So I may as well go in and like say what's up to people and shit. I noticed that's the thing with, um, with like locals too. Like even here, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really go out that much, right. but if there's someone from out of town, then I'll fucking show up, Yeah, you know? And, right. and it's, it's not just out of, and I think some people might see it as like disrespectful, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, look, do we have our own lives? Yeah. We're busy. Like, I mean, we don't have, it's, I mean, I, I guess people, maybe some people want to be like, well, I guess you're not a true club head or house mm-hmm. head or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, that's your opinion. Right. You know, but at the end of the day, I'm still listening to music. I'm still enjoying the music, right. enjoying the dance and enjoying the culture and right. still have respect for it. Right. You know, yeah, sure. Maybe I don't go out. Mm-hmm. Maybe you might find me on the golf course more than anything, especially mm-hmm. during the season, as opposed to in the club. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy right. what the culture has to offer. Right. Um. Well, like I said, you know, I, I think that's a that's a thing that's pretty common between locals. I mean, mm-hmm. if we go to Vegas, foot never really goes out. Right. But if we're in town, like, fuck it, we'll go to we'll go to a bar. Right. You know, or we'll go to like a dance night. Yeah, we'll meet up with like Groove and Mike or somebody, and then we'll we'll all get together and get crazy. So exactly. So I think it's just a common thing from what yeah. I've noticed. Now that you now you talk about that, mm-hmm. and I mean, and also to be realistic too, this is something I think a lot of the younger dancers should take heed to is that. Um, we're all not 20 anymore. Right. So there's, um, there's a thing about like when, when you dance, it's, I've I've learned this about speech as well, because I'm always ready to fucking talk. Right. But, um, I've learned in the last couple of years really to pick when I'm going to participate versus just like throwing stuff out there and hoping that something sticks and something's impactful or, or I make an impression. And the same thing goes true with dance. Um, I feel like if you go out there and you attack every single possible wave, then number one, that's kind of disrespectful to everybody else because you're, you're bombing in everybody else's set, right? Because you feel like you've got the most to say, even if you got nothing. You're just, just doing the same shit, recycling moves, you know, dancing all night and stuff. So um, me and Jardy, we kind of had like this, uh, it was almost like a, a pact because we just kept circulating around the room and we almost like it was almost like we avoided the big cipher because we kind of felt like, okay, well, this this ultimately, or at least for me, I, I can't speak for Jardy, but for me, I kind of felt like this is this is their this is their their gathering, their get together, and I'm a guest here, so I'd much rather be happy vibing out in the outer circles, or if I happen to be in the central. Uh, cipher and then you know something is like relevant to me um you know there was a point where i started locking 
And then people were like vibing about that shit, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. I had something to say. So I said it, but it's not going to be like, okay, Hey, I'm from Minnesota. I demand everybody's attention because this is, this is their function. So, um, so I was very happy just to be able to be there and be so, um, like warmly received by various people. Um, there was no, there was no bullshit. There was no people looking down their nose, none of that kind of stuff. I, I had nothing but like the ultimate like Bay area hospitality. And, uh, that was very special to me because, you know, I've gone to other events and stuff where people kind of go like, well, if you're not competing and you're not like on, you know, the flyer for something, then you might not really be relevant to me. So I'm just going to tune out and, you know, look for whoever like the big dancers are, the big names. But in this case, everybody was just like, yo, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Minnesota. And of course, you know, it was like, oh, Ozzy. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my brother right there. You know, we're, we're crew and shit. And then they're like, oh, fuck, you came all the way over from Minnesota just for this. And I was like, yeah. They're like, yo, man, that's what's up. Like, they were really moved by that. And I, and I appreciated that. I appreciated that, like, you know, I could come out and participate as, um, you know, somebody who's a member of the house community, who loves the house community, but not like, you know, what is it for, what am I getting out of this for me kind of a thing, right? So, yeah, man, it was it was hella fun. Um, got to uh, got to uh, get down, of course. Um, uh, <laughs> Jardy and I had a, a wonderful time with the uh, edibles that we had uh, <laughs> because, like, um, uh, we he took me over to Berkeley first before we went to Oakland, and um, I'd only ever heard about Berkeley, right? So I was kind of like didn't know what to expect and shit. But it's it reminded me so much of like Dinky Town. Mm-hmm. In in that regard of like you know it's right by the by the campus and everything yeah it's a college it, it's a college uh, area and stuff um, when we uh, we were checking out records and we just shot the shit um, just kind of took in like the the scenery and the vibes and stuff and then uh, I went to a dispensary and I picked up um, edibles and um, both Jardy and I had uh, edible and then we went out there and then like as soon as we got in and, and it was probably like maybe 45 minutes to an hour once we got there, that's when those shit dropped, them shits dropped. And then from that point, it was kind of like a weird body high because it was like you felt good while you were dancing, but if you stopped, it was almost like quicksand. You just noticed that you just sat there and, like, you didn't want to move. So it was like a thing of, like, I had to con- constantly, like, tell myself, okay, move your feet, move your feet. Just, like, even if you got a two-step, do something because I was afraid that I was going to stand there. And then next thing you know, like two hours would go by where I didn't fucking move a muscle. And everyone's like going, what the hell's up with Minnesota over here? He's weird. So, um, so yeah, so I just, I went out there and I, I built with everybody. Um, when I came in on Tuesday, uh, cause I'd been out there for 10 days, I came out there on Tuesday and, uh, Jardy took me out and got me some food and stuff. And we were just chit chatting and, and whatnot. And I got to, um, uh, meet Mylin, so that was that was dope. And uh, shout out to Mylin, and uh, they're lovely dogs too. Um, uh, Aaliyah and uh, Gideon, they're they're real characters. So uh, shout out to them. Um, and we uh, we ended up going on Wednesday. Well, I went to um, Simmer Room to Coflo and Amy's place, and they live like just outside of. Uh, Oakland and like the Fremont area. And, uh, and that was also legendary too. Cause I'm like, I'm standing there like in the simmer room. I'm like, this is fucking dope. And also it's dope in the sense that it was, it was completely like constructed 
just out of like necessity, right? Like they were just like, Hey man, like quarantine was happening and we want to just not stop staying, you know, sharp with movement, with DJing and, you know, the like. So it, it was such a, it was such a dope spot to be in, you know, floor was amazing. It seems on video, it seems a lot bigger. I, I think the same thing with like the Golden Gate Bridge, right? It's like the cameras, longer uh, lenses and whatnot. It seems like it's like a bigger place. Well, you go in there; it's it's their garage that they converted into mm-hmm. this amazing dojo. Yeah, I remember going in there, and it was the week before Khalif flew in because mm-hmm. he was going to be working on music with Koflo, and, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, we're about to set up the garage for Khalif because this is where he usually stays." I'm mm-hmm. like, he "Stays in the garage?" And mm-hmm. like, they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "That makes sense." He's yeah, a big guy. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's a fun. It's a it's a really homey place. Right. Your place is dope, and if you just walk around and look at some of the photos that they have up, yeah. especially near the piano, you're gonna fucking laugh your ass off. You know, <laughs> like it's it's the funniest shit ever. Um, but yeah, anyways, keep going. I was gonna say too, uh, you've got a very special uh, honorable mention in their home because uh, I went to use their their restroom, and I walked in there, and all of a sudden I see your mug like plastered on one of the the uh wall collages like there's a there's a group of pictures and shit mm-hmm. and I see you and I'm just like okay great so what mug uh you were you were like mid stride dancing and it was some uh, black and white photo of you what? yeah and I was laughing my ass off I'm like yep this is this is the universe telling me that this motherfucker is you know on my shoulder so I don't remember what what, yeah, what yeah. photo there's huh. there's a picture of you in in their bathroom so what the hell? Yeah, so anytime that anybody is uh, taking a shit or anything, you know, just know that Ozzy's watching. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. I, I think I think it might have been one where, if memory serves me co- correctly, I think Foot was in one of the other photos, too. So. It was probably, oh, yeah, it was probably during um, Rockin' House, because that's when we stayed with them. Yeah. So. But uh, but yeah, y'all were on the dance floor, and they got some still photos of that. So that was that shit was dope. Nice. But um, but yeah, so um, got out there, uh, got after it. Um, I'm on, I guess two, two episodes of the Simmer Room because I went out there on that first Wednesday, and then I went out there the following week, and was out there for another Wednesday. Um, so if you watch the Simmer Room, you'll probably see my shitty dancing out there and stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, me and Amy, like, clowning and shit, because every once in a while it would be like, I would do something stupid, you know, like my my typical uh, shit, and then all of a sudden she'd be smiling, and (laughs) she'd play back, and then next thing you know, we were just, like, making asses of ourselves, so it was dope. Amy's hilarious. Oh, God. She's, like, she she very easily could be, like, uh, an actor, in my opinion, yeah. like I think that I mean, aside from every other talent that she's in, I mean, she's an amazing artist and yeah. uh, architect, uh, jam skater, figure skater, dancer. I mean, all this shit. Yeah. And I, I could always picture her being in like something like Parks and Rec. You know, she could be one of those like yeah. eccentric characters that like shows up every couple episodes and just says some funny shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Amy slash uh, Tsunami because uh, yeah, she's she's an absolute trip. Yeah. If Man, for those of you that don't know Tsunami, just follow her on Instagram. Some of the things that she posts is, like, amazing. Like, yeah. she has, like, a lot of super old footage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it shows you, like, how how many how much 
like how many years she has in the game. Like yeah. she's been around for quite some time. Right. She's seen a lot happen, a lot of evolution with yeah. the dance itself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it shows like how much respect she has from the community. Yeah. And she, she's, she's a ball of joy, mm-hmm. but do not piss her off. Right. I was in Chicago, uh, once and she was out there judging a competition. We all mm-hmm. went out. I forgot who was the DJ, but there was some idiot that was in a cipher that was like trying to break while she was getting it in mm-hmm. and literally damn near kicks her. So she just gets up and just, I mean, she's not big. No, she's teeny means. tiny. She but. picks this big ass dude up and shoves him outside of the cipher. <laughs> and I, and I, and I look at foot and I'm like, Holy shit. I'm like that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a ball of joy and mm-hmm. you know, filled with comedy, but just don't piss her off. Yeah. Yeah. Th- them's the rules. I mean, yeah. You know, you th- that's a big thing that I think that people underestimate about, like, the house scene, too, is that everybody thinks that... Because, like, I mean, respect to, to the breaking community, but I think that, you know, because times have become so, like, soft as far as, like, dance and everything, you don't see, like, overt violence at breaking events. You, you get a couple of guys that might get in each other's faces and act like they're they're tough and shit, but they're usually just going to be... It's like a show. Yeah. It is. But it's like with House, the thing is that you don't understand that you might be around like a bunch of sleeper cells. So like, for instance, like with Circle of Fire, you could be in the cypher doing some bullshit and next thing you know, you piss off somebody like Gabi and that motherfucker will like just... He'll he'll just dust you. He'll he he won't outdance you. He'll just kick you in the fucking face. Like yeah, I mean, dude, majority of them they they work in capoeira. Yeah, like, I mean, and if not capoeira, then they might do. Um, I think uh, a few other ones um, have backgrounds in uh, jujitsu or other uh, combatives and stuff. And yet, I'm just like, yo, man, like there, it's it's a den of killers. But the thing that's so cool is going out there if you're sincere then you're only going to get that reflected back to you. But if you walk out there with some, some bullshit, you know, on your shoes, they're going to be like, yo, not in my cypher, you know, yeah. not in my house. I mean, look, like they say, house is already a, it's already a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wake the spirits up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't wake them up. Right. You're just going to get fucked up. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it, it really is. It's, it's hollow ground. That's why like when I came out there, um, I, really made like a super concentrated effort to listen and see twice as much as I was going to speak because of that, you know, cause I didn't want anybody to get the wrong impression that, you know, you know, trying to be Mr. Know-it-all or try to fit in or any of that kind of shit. Or I'm trying to impress anybody. I just wanted to go out there and just participate. And because of that, I was very like well received by everybody. They were just like, yo man, this is your first trip to the Bay. This is so fucking dope. Welcome. Da 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 da. You know, you need anything, let me know. Or, you know, you, you need history. You know, you got questions about like COF history, you know, well, we can answer that and stuff. I was like, yo, that's, that's really dope. I also wanted to be mindful of that shit too. Cause I didn't want to like, if we're out there at the event, I don't want someone to say, okay, like, Hey, start from the beginning and tell me everything up to now. Cause it's like, yo, it's a party. We should be dancing. We should be having fun, yeah. socialize, maybe talk about something that's got some relevance to the moment, mm-hmm. but don't sit there like a fan and sit here and try to get, you know, that, that's why like even I, I kind of kicked myself in the head because I didn't get a lot of documentation. I didn't get like a lot of footage, but it's because I was so busy taking everything else in. I was like, why the fuck would I want to ruin the moment by busting out my phone and trying to get 
you know, these angles and trying to do this and do that. Cause I really feel like that would take me out of the, the situation. It does. It truly yeah. does. I mean, if it, well, so if it's your first time, then it's understandable. Yeah. You know, you kind of want to have certain things to look back at. Right. But I mean, if this is, if this isn't, isn't your first rodeo, mm-hmm. dude, put the phone away. Right. You know, like for me, whenever, whenever I go to jams now, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, What's the good way to say it? It's, I'm going to sound like a dick here, but it's the same shit, different different place. Right, exactly. You know, it's the same shit. You know right. what I mean? Like, it is what it is, right? right? A dance event is a dance event. Mm-hmm. Now, can you live in that dance event for once? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I have to tell myself sometimes because yeah. you know, we live in the world of social media. Mm-hmm. We want to show people what we're doing, which is fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. You know, it's, right. it's like passively promoting yourself. Um, it's just showing people that, hey, this is what I got going on. Right. Um, and, or I'm still present in mm-hmm. this, in this culture. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, who really cares right. that much? Right. You know, and some people may love it and enjoy it, mm-hmm. which is dope, but fuck man, just live in the moment. Yeah, exactly. I got to, uh, also, I got to pregame before the actual event too. Um, cause we were, we were in Oakland early. And while we were out there, um, there's this big pavilion where they do these outdoor parties. And um, I can't remember the name of the lake, but there's like a there's like a lake with like a big trail that goes around the perimeter of it. Like people run around it and shit. And there's this like massive, like huge, like archway. And that's where the DJs were set up. So again, much like uh, like Day Funk or Summer Cipher and things like that, there was an outdoor party that was going on too. Um, that was where I got to meet. Um, uh, are you familiar with Marcel? Mm, maybe if I saw a face. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant dancer. Um, uh, again, same kind of just like bohemian spirit. You know, he's like dressed in a whole bunch of like drapey types of things with this big brim hat and stuff. And you could just tell he just commanded like a, uh, he was just a commanding presence. And he went out there and he was just constantly vibing. And um, Jardy was introducing me to a whole bunch of other people and stuff out there. And yeah, we were just like, we kind of, we we didn't know what to expect. So we were out there just kind of just chilling at first, but then eventually we were like dancing and stuff. And then that was getting us ready for, you know, going over to, uh, the other event a little bit later. And, um, yeah, so we, we did that on Friday, Saturday was kind of like, all right, let's, let's take a break. Let's kind of lay back in the cut and everything. Uh, Jardy had some work he had to do anyway. And, um, and then uh, what was that? Was Saturday night? I can't recall if that was before or after, but I met up with Swells. So um, because I was so close to Sacramento, I was able to jam over and say what's up to Swells. So we went out and just we went down to um, I don't know what the name of the main strip is where like uh, they have like a light rail that goes right through um, downtown Sacramento. Um, but we were like in this like bar area spot. And then we went to this one party that like was, uh, like we walked in there and we were kind of like, as soon as we walked in, we're just like, nah, okay, fuck it. We're going down the street. And, uh, we went to this other place and as we were walking, it was funny cause, uh, Swells is rocking his, uh, his Wu jacket. He's got a black satin Wu Tang jacket and, uh, uh, DJ cold cuts was across the street and he sees him and all of a sudden he's like, Oh, Oh you know and fucking swells like replies back and then they come over and uh we just start chopping it like right there on the uh right on the sidewalk there and stuff and we're getting introduced and whatnot and then um uh we end up going 
into this other bar and that place like the music was a little bit more tolerable they they were still playing some like you know poppy shit you know and stuff and you know stuff that was kind of like whatever but once we started dancing then the DJs caught wind of that so then they started throwing down some like better music and then um I met um uh what's his name from MZK uh B-boy um Moose yeah Moose um and um uh, and then, like, he had, like, kind of a crew of people that he was with and shit. And, you know, we all just kind of just started getting down right there. We, like, kind of took over the floor. Um, so that was really fun. And then afterwards, you know, we were just like, all right, man, well, you know, it was dope to get out here and get after a little bit. And then Swells was like, oh, yeah, by the way, fun fact, this is actually where that big shootout happened <laughs> um, a couple, like, was like a year or two ago when there was, like, that whole, like, it just got, like, these two rival gang factions like just fucking made national news in this like shootout in the street and it's like yeah it's right here it's like whoo well i'm glad i knew about that after rather than before otherwise it probably would have been like a little more skittish and shit um but yeah so um we chilled and then came back to the the crib and reset and then uh sunday was um sunday was the day where they did the second installment for the Soul Shifters uh, event, and that was like a, um, it was like an art showing, which was in the same place, the uh, same room, but now everything was like more like well lit, and you had all this art that was posted all over the place, and um, and again, it's like everybody that that's in that crew and associated with that crew is so fucking talented. So they've got various mediums of art, and you know stuff that's like. Um, a lot more like aerosol art based um, and then you had stuff that was like even down to like puppetry um, I forgot uh, um, brother's name but uh, he like makes like puppets and like kind of like crank anchors style puppets right but they're all like like you know Bay Area style so you know they got like the uh, what the hell was that uh, what, what the hell is that hat called uh, is it called like the like the San Francisco Derby or something like that or derby it but it basically it's just like a like a woolly cap you know and it's like kind of tilted and you know he's got like a little soul patch and everything and he's got like black rim glasses and shit and i was like man this is so fucking incredible you know just like being around like this collective of of amazing uh talented people and um uh wacko showed up so as soon as i saw wacko you know we came up and gave each other a big hug and everything and you know and he was Tell me about his business, you know, because he's got this really successful donut shop mm-hmm. out in San Francisco. Um, so if you happen to go out there, go out to uh, uh, Whack Donuts. Uh, so, you know, A, you can give him the business, but also, I mean, apparently these are like phenomenal donuts. So, um, yeah, we just, we chopped and shit and then uh, and then ran into uh, Remind again and a few other people. And, um, yeah, man, it was just, a, it was a beautiful time just for that event alone, but then all the other stuff that was going on too, like outside of that, um, on, uh, I think it was Thursday night. Um, Jardy took me into San Francisco or Thursday and, uh, we checked out the, the sucker free and everything went around to all these like great spots. He took me to like this really cool, uh, bluff where, um, you could see, um, <clears throat> you can see the ocean and there's like these amazing like trees that, I mean, they almost look like like massive um, bonsai trees. They're just they're fucking huge, and the whole area is just you know beautiful. Um, and then uh, we went over to we were trying to figure out like what else to do 
to kind of, you know, kill some time and shit. And I, I reached out to Rob and I was just like, Hey man, what's up? Are you working tonight? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be working in like an hour. You want to meet over at the Dawn club where I work? Um, shout out to the Dawn club, a uh, prestigious jazz club, um, out in uh, San Francisco. And, um, <clears throat> we went out there and we just kicked it and, you know, shot the shit for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Rob was like really appreciative of the fact that, you know, I was able to come out just to visit for that but we already set the intention that i was going to come out and train as well for um escrima so uh we ended up um <clears throat> that monday i came back out to uh, san francisco and picked up rob and we went over and we trained with uh, mark uh, his training partner and um and i got to uh get a taste of you know what uh what he basically does with the illustrissimo um school of um Escrima, and yeah, man, it was it was mad, mad fun. I mean, I learned a lot just in general. <clears throat> and then um, Rob later on took me to a very auspicious place uh, that's known as Castles. And Castles is it, it basically goes down in like rock dance lore for San Francisco because that's where um, where Bandit was teaching, and then that's kind of where everybody congregated for Forever We Rock. And, um, and it's a, uh, it's a spot that's like, uh, right by, uh, um, a comedy club, uh, called punchline really dope place. And, and that's also got history too, cause they'd be talking about when they were out there, you know, getting down and rocking and then Dave Chappelle would like show up, you know, pushing on a skateboard and like Neil Brennan would be like with him and shit. And everyone's like, what the fuck is that Dave Chappelle? And you know, it's like, yeah. And what's he doing here? And it's like well, the fucking comedy club right here. You know, he's, he's always going to be. If he's in town, he's going to go and he's going to get up on the mic. So it was like a really, it was a really like hallowed ground <clears throat> kind of, um, uh, night. And, um, and yeah, we, uh, we rocked, uh, it was, uh, it was me and Rob and Rob was like over the moon about it. Cause he's like, I haven't been out here in like years. Like I really haven't come out here for quite some time. Uh, pugs, um, AKA, uh, West coast Aussie. <laughs> And, um, and then, uh, also, uh, justice rock who I'd met for the first time. And, um, yeah, we just got out there and we exchanged and stuff. Um, we were kind of like fucking around with ideas and concepts and stuff. And, um, yeah, man, it was, it was, a, it was a real like special place. It, it, it kind of, it had that feeling of like, there's a lot of memory here. So much the same way I was like very respectful about like where I was at and how I was going to be. And I just kind of drank in the moment and was just like, man, this is just incredible. Uh, <laughs> fucking justice. Justice has, uh, had a, uh, um, like a, like a short, uh, cruising board and we we're walking away from that place after we were done and he slid out and his uh, board got away from him. And it's fucking rolling towards this. Like there's like this, like, uh, there's like this big, like dog, um, like it's like AstroTurf for uh, dogs because there's residential apartments that are right like in that whole area, right? And um, there's like this big like glass uh, revolving door and the board is going and going and going and it goes into the revolving door and the fucking security guard just very like eye rolls, picks up the board and he just walks into the building like motherfucker. And then Justice is like, hey, you took my fucking board. <laughs> <laughs> so we're watching him and we're standing there at the stairs. We're just watching him. He goes in, he gets it and we don't see him for a second. And then all of a sudden he gets on a fucking bug ass is like back over. He just starts running. And then and he keeps looking over his shoulder. I'm like, 
what did you did you snatch it from him or did you talk shit or what or did he say something what the fuck's going on and i was like, go 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 so i'm like scurrying down the stairs like what the fuck and then i'm kind of standing here like well it is your property you know and it wasn't like he like cracked the glass or anything so i don't know if if he would like call the cops or if he would you know come out and try to give us a talking to or what but i was like whatever um <clears throat> but yeah so that was that was that monday and then um uh tuesday tuesday and wednesday uh, god damn i can't remember i mean the big thing was like food like jardy was bringing me to all these like places that had great food uh we had food in the city of course um so uh that was really dope had really good uh japanese food at this one place um that's uh i don't know if that if that whole area is considered like little tokyo or if that building itself is the only like purely like japanese spot but it was like mostly like japanese businesses so yeah, it's kind of like, japan town yeah mm-hmm. and um so so that was really dope um they had like uh like this like famous like mochi um japanese donut kind of spot that was right there too yeah you can get them here too right yeah yep so um so that was that was really dope to check out and everything and then we went and we grabbed like actual eats and then um what was it uh wednesday i came back over and uh uh went over for like the second uh simmer room and everything and uh same kind of thing you know just uh just a real vibe um the first night the first night that i was in town or not the first night I was in town, but the first simmer room that I went to, um, that was when I met Lady C because she was staying at uh, at uh, Amy and uh, Koflo's place. And um, again, like another like really super down to earth person. But then like you would never guess how multi like if you don't know her, you you would never guess how multi like talented she is. You know, I mean, singer, dancer of multiple styles, like just like all kinds of shit. I was just like, fucking hell. Like, I'm sitting here just casually meeting people. And then next thing you know, I'm like reflecting on it and going like, oh, yeah, that's right. She sang on a couple of uh, Flo's tracks and, you know, she locks really well. I mean, not really well. She's an amazing locker, amazing house dancer, um, amazing popper, too. I mean, I was like, fucking hell. She like blew me away with uh, how much of a kinetic genius she is. And the same with Amy. I mean... It's like Amy can pretty much do anything and everything. So I'm just like, God damn. I'm just like around like just these incredible minds. And um, yeah, man. And then after after that, um, yeah, Thursday was my, my flight back. So, you know, I uh, got to go to uh, Jollibee, which I pray to God they don't open one in Minnesota. Because if they do, I'm, that's it. I'm going to fucking die I'm, well, little do you know i've been trying to open one get one opened up here for the past couple of years oh now. jesus <laughs> yeah i was trying to bring him into asia mall i was mm-hmm. trying to Jollibee is just very difficult to work with yeah <clears throat> yeah it's just, you know they have such a high franchise fee mm-hmm. so yeah and then i think they might even have a contract with seafood city oh so word. it's okay. like you know unless you want to get them their own brick and mortar mm-hmm. that's like over a million now yeah and then you know, they don't even want to shed the light of day. And I've been trying to reach out to these guys for, again, two years. Because mm-hmm. um, the first one that ever opened up was just blocks away from my house in Daly City. Mm-hmm. And I was there for the grand opening. It was back in 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be pretty cool mm-hmm. to, you know, be part of the first one that opens up here in Minnesota. Right. Because it would just be like full circle. Right. Uh, I don't know. 
maybe it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I hope I'm a part of it if it does. Yeah. Or when it does, because I think, I think it will happen. I mm-hmm. think Jollibee will eventually come here to Minnesota because mm-hmm. they'll realize that it's not necessarily about the Filipino community that's here. It's about the Asian community. Yeah. And that's what inspired me in the first place to want to bring them out here. Is like, right. You know, the Philippine community are small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then it's, it's like obvious they want Jollibee here. Right. You know, but it's small. Mm-hmm. So economically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But when I started seeing a lot of Hmong and Vietnamese and Cambodian people, Lao people say, we want Jollibee, that's mm-hmm. when I was like, shit. Yep. It's yep. time. Yeah. I mean, you got so many transplants that came over from Cali anyway that are just like, shit, man. I wish we had like, you know, even a third of the stuff that's out there. I mean, mm-hmm. Jardy, of course, he, like me, he lives like really close to like all these great spots. So it was dope to be able to, you know, be driving back and be just dead ass tired. And then immediately like little foot sitting on my fucking shoulder. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, bro, you want to make a bad decision? Because I'm a fucking see Jack in the box, like right there, and I'm like, oh fuck, okay, yeah. I guess I'm gonna go over here, yeah. and yeah, because uh, that that was like the ultimate like go to two o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah. just get weird combinations of shit. I mean, it's a place yeah. where you, you get a burger, egg rolls, and tacos. I mean, I don't even touch the egg rolls or tacos or burgers. The mm-hmm. shit that I touch is the most unthinkable thing, and I'm surprised it's still on their menu. But what I usually do, and if I go to Jack in the Box, is I'll get two large curly fries and their teriyaki bowl and call it a day. Yeah. Yep. Again, I've, I've been eating that shit since I was, well, if they had it here in Minnesota still, I think there was one Jack in the box here in Minnesota yeah. at one point. And when I moved here, they took it out. Mm-hmm. But when I was a kid in Dilly city, like that's the shit that my mom and I would get all the time. Yeah. It's for whatever reason, we really like the teriyaki mm-hmm. bowl and that's just what I grew up to. Yeah, well, it was unfair because I think, if memory serves me correctly, I think that Jack in the Box was in, I think it was in Uptown. I think so, too. And it closed only because of that, uh, there was like a salmonella thing or oh. like uh, mm-hmm. something like that, where, again, th- this is back in the day when people you know, didn't have the internet. So it's like if you sensationalize, sensationalize something on the news, everybody thinks that like, now every Arby's is tainted or some shit or every Chipotle is tainted. It's like, no, there's one place where, you know, they undercooked something and somebody got sick. Mm-hmm. That was it. But they were making it into like this like national scare. So uh, Minnesota lost their, their uh, Jack in the box, which is too bad. Cause I think that like a lot of people that come over from California that like have transplanted to Minnesota, they're just like, damn man, like I wish we had like just some of our stuff here. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, well, you know, when I moved here, I was like, what the fuck is Hardee's? Yeah. It's called Carl's Jr. Right. But it's it's the same owners. Right. Same brand, technically. Um, He does a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of weird shit when I moved there, but, you know, it's it's not bad. Yeah. Or or maybe I'm just so used to it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever, man. I've been here for over 20 years, so I'm pretty much a Minnesotan. Yeah. Yeah. And But it's, it's dope, though. It's dope to have that kind of that feeling of, like, dual citizenship. You know, where yeah. you can go back and take right to it like it like no time is really lost. Yeah. And so yeah, I kind of feel like that about the just the West Coast in general. Yeah. I and mean, I was in L.A. probably two and a half weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is like home. You know, like even though if it's L.A., the Bay and L.A., completely different worlds. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like the the pace and the attitude of living is 
pretty pretty similar. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think San Francisco is a little more in regards to the attitude and a little more chill. Yeah. Where, like, L.A. is, like, hopped up on some fucking plastic shit. Yeah. No offense. Right. But, you know, that's just how I, f- how I feel sometimes well, when I'm out there. Like, I, I kind of put my foot in my mouth um, when I was talking with um, uh, one young lady out there uh, at the uh, at the first event, the, the first Soul Shifters event, because she was asking me, like, what I thought about uh, Callie and everything and, and stuff. And I, and, and, like, I forgot how, but somehow I was kind of, like, I, I rolled about L.A., and then she kind of had like this like shit eating grin on her face, mm-hmm. and then and, and she's like, "Well, I'm from LA," yeah. and I, I'm like, "Well, but there's a difference between like I go, I go, you know what I'm talking about though? Like, there's like the people that are not from there that all flock out there because in their town they're a ten, but when they come out there, they're everyone's like treating them like they're a six, like they ain't shit, so they overcompensate and they try really fucking hard, and everybody's just like it's just this like fake hustle." And then you got the people that were, like, born and raised out there that you meet that are just diehard cool people. Which you barely meet. Right. Like, everyone there is somewhat of a transplant as well. Right. You know, so I think those are the people that give it that plastic image. Yeah. You know, where Bay Area, it's like you just get ingrained mm-hmm. into the into the culture and community there where, yeah. like, now you're fucking saying different terms that you would never have would have said in your mm-hmm. lifetime if you hadn't moved to the Bay Area. Right. Um, yeah, and it's... And then even then, um, when I was having conversations with a lot of the uh, the my peers and also like people that I look up to and stuff, they were like, "Yeah, it, shit's even changed up here too." You know, they and they're they're honest about that too. And they're just like, "Yeah, there's there's folks that are in their twenties that think that they just have everything on lock, and they're looking at us as like we're like the old guard or like you know they roll their eyes and go, okay, boomer.'" And you're like, "Motherfucker, like." Yeah, but you know, that, that's just the generational. Yeah, thing. you know that's just so that's why I'm saying it's like it's it's one of those deals where no matter where you go, there you are. It's yeah. it's going to be this not identical, but it's going to be the same or similar. Yeah, to a lot of other places. Yeah, so. pretty much. I think it just comes down to like who you connect with from your own generation, right? Because they they obviously know the big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this new generations, you know. Yeah. Um, whatever, man. I think they just they have it too easy, but they make it they they make the easiness hard. Mm-hmm. But they have it really. They really have it easy. But they just make things hard. And props though to the new gen that does have like that um, that hunger and that kind of open mind, yeah. because those are the ones that go to something like a Soul Shifters event, and they're, they're like, yeah. and they're the ones who are like trying to like learn, you know, everything and um, go through like all the the proper uh, steps. Well, I mean, if you if you really want to know who in the new generation, I'm talking about like Gen Z and whatnot. If mm-hmm. you really want to know, like who's eager to learn, who wants to separate themselves, just look at their music selection. Right. Look at what they listen to on yep, a daily. Exactly. I mean, if you see, like, 90s, early 2000s and stuff, and, like, even 70s and 80s mm-hmm. um, music in their, in their um, I was about to say, in their record box, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, in their playlist, then mm-hmm. you already know that they have, like, a different level of thinking. Exactly. Because, you know, yep. they're, they have, like, a classical side to them, right. which gives them perspective on what our generation, the generation before us, was about. Mm-hmm. Which... It's kind of like the I've had discussions about this. I think I even said something on the out on the patio out there um, when I was talking to a few of the other uh, Circle of Fire cat, uh, cats. I was like, I was like, yeah, I go, you know, even when it, when we were coming up in our different respective age groups and eras, it was like pop music wasn't enough for us. We had to explore. We had to like dig and listen to stuff that was older. Or why does this like have some kind of like a 
why, why does this like uh, like shake me in a different kind of way? Like you listen to pop radio and you know there might be like a couple of good songs on there. And you're like, yeah, this shit's bump, bumping or whatever. But for some reason, you just decided that break beats were appealing to you or obscure house music, which you hardly ever heard on terrestrial radio or anything. You had to go to clubs to hear it. And, you know, you kick it with DJ friends and people are putting you on to like genres of music that don't even cleanly fit into the, um, almost like the, the archetype of like what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a B boy. Right. And, and all of a sudden you're listening to, uh, rock records and you're like, well, what does this have to do with rap? Because you thought, in your jump point, you thought that it was it was rap. It was it was all the same, and you don't realize that everything that that art form was built off of was built off of several other disciplines. Where it's just like the essence of each song was similar, and that is what came together. That's why you could you could play a rock record that had a great break, mm-hmm. and then you could blend that into an R and B record that also had a great break, and then a funk record and a soul record or a pop record even, and put everything together, and then people would just get down and you'd be like yeah this for some reason there's like a there's like a, a flavor that's in there it's a vibe and it's kind of in the ether right it's like floating around in the air and every once in a while these artists will just like grab it out of the out of the air and bring it into existence and make it you know like audible for us to hear and um and we talked a lot about that um geeked out with several people about music it was mad funny i was like talking to pugs and um and uh rob and we just started firing music back to each other, back and forth. And I was like, you ever hear this record? And Puck is like, no. And I'm like, yo, check this shit out. It's, it's fucking dope. You know, and then Rob is like, you know, bugging out about that too. And he's just like, God damn it, yeah. And he's like, here, yo, check this out too. You know, and that's like the fun part of what we do. This is why we're all like music geeks. Because everybody else, you go to a bar, you go to a club, you know, you're trying to drink, you're trying to stunt, you're trying to hook up with people. You're trying to do like all the the general things, but you know we were the cats that decided that we wanted to get stupid on the floor and dance to music and talk about music and think about music. Everything music was definitely like that raft that would take us across the the sea of these things. And then you meet other people that are like part of some of these scenes, even like rappers. And you're like, damn, I you don't know shit about music, and you're you're a musician. You're supposed to be a musician. And like, well, yeah, I'm just a performer. Like, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the dancer that can't teach. Yeah, you know, like they they know how to do it. They, and I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's so it's okay to an extent. Yeah, to be in that position where look, you're the performer, you're the mm-hmm. MC, but you don't know who fucking KRS One is, right? You know, or you don't know any of these other legends, mm-hmm. you know, that are in the game that were in the game. It's I think it's mm-hmm. okay to an extent. Um, should you learn? Probably. Yeah. You know, like, it would be good to have so that way it, it doesn't just cover your ass from all the purists. Right. But it just gives you, you know, another conversation outlet. Well, and that was like, that's like the reoccurring theme about what we do as dancers and people that are part of a culture is that there's a difference between talent and skill. You know, talent is like, you know, kind of your God-given gift, right? You just, you could you could clap on beat or you could just move and aesthetically it looked pleasing. So people thought like, Oh shit, you're like you're, you're dope. So how long you've been breaking? And you're like, what the fuck is breaking? Right. You're like, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but skill is going back and saying, okay, well I, I can naturally do this, but now I need to go back and kind of understand it. 
And same thing happens in martial arts. You know, you got people that will train um, where there's like there's like people that are really good at street fighting. And then one day they go into a boxing gym and now they're getting refinement and understanding technique and realizing that, you know, they might be able to knock a person out, but they always drop their left when they throw that, that right hand punch. So to anybody else on in a street fight, yeah, they're going to kick ass, right? But to a well-seasoned fighter, they're going to be able to pick you apart. And that kind of stuff is great because that'll either teach you that you are punching above your weight. And you might get intimidated and say, fuck it, I'm not going to do this because this is way too elaborate. I don't want to have to fucking learn all this history and learn about who did what and when and why and how or, or, you know, understand the intricacies of these records and all that shit. And there's other people who are like, no, I want more, Mm. you know, because it's it's such an enriching thing. It's, you know, I mean, when you really think about it, like in the grand scheme of stuff, philosophically, you know, a lot of this stuff might seem unimportant to many people They go that doesn't matter because, you know, this is now and that was then that was then, or, you know, you should focus more on making, you know, $7 million, uh, this fiscal year or whatever. Um, you know, but you're wasting time spinning on your back or, well, I think there has to be a fine balance. Exactly. That's, I take it from someone who's in that world where I'm in a world where half of it is, yeah, you want, you want to quote unquote, make $7 million in Mm -hmm. your fiscal year. Right. But the other half of that world is, you know, have some respect for what happened back then mm-hmm. to what's going on right now. I mean, there has to be a fine tune of balance. Right. Too much technique. Now I'm just talk, going back in a dance here and just, mm-hmm. you know, shit, skill set. Skill set. Mm-hmm. Too much technique can shy you away from natural ability. Yeah. Too much natural ability can fucking hurt you. Yeah. It makes you fickle with your talent because you you're going to assume it's always going to be there. Right. You know exactly, and how many how many former dancers have we known that said I'll just walk away from it for like fifteen twenty years, and then I'll come back and everything will be exactly where I left it. Yeah, you, you know? know, it's I don't know too many dancers like that. You know, they're either done or they're done. But one thing I do know is that when you when you've done it, you're especially if you've done it at a at a high level and intense level, your body still has that mm-hmm. um, still has that muscle memory, right? You know, I mean, shit, the CEO of my company, Wing Group, mm-hmm. I lit- he was literally just doing fucking windmills. Um, what's today? Mm-hmm. Today's Saturday. He was doing windmills yesterday. Yeah. Out here in our office. <laughs> and he hasn't done windmills in like five, six years. Right. Still got it. Right. You know, like I haven't dropped into a windmill in like, no, I don't know, maybe a year or so. Mm-hmm. Still got it. Mm-hmm. It's just muscle memory. Right. So that'd be interesting if a dancer was like, yeah, I'll come back to it in 15 mm-hmm. years. All right. Fine. I mean, because we, we've had those conversations with certain people where it wasn't, it wasn't so much like, hey, I'm leaving this so I can go off to greener pastures and, like, you know, level up in my life. It was more like they kind of just, like, they, at the time they were doing it because it was the fad, right? They dressed in the track suits. They had the dookie rope. They called themselves a B-boy. Is what their friends were doing. Yeah, their friends were doing it. So it's it, it's that it's that peer pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And then they get away from it, and then they come back and they go, well, number one, the, the kind of the common thing is always like, wait, y'all motherfuckers are still doing this? And then they look, they go, oh, have you ever heard of Hong Ten? We're like, yeah, like, of course we've heard of Hong Ten. It's like, oh my god, you know, and like they they couldn't fathom that this was ever going to go anywhere, 
And then when they come back to it, they kind of feel, um, I think some people that are very humble, they go, yeah, man, this is so impressive. I'm so amazed at all this shit. Right. And there's the other people that were like, well, I was the king of my high school in 1984. So yeah, they get butthurt because, right. You know, they felt like time left them. Yeah. But really it's, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. You know, and look, everyone has their own situations. Right. Some people had to leave because they had to get a job. Right. They had to take care of their family. Yeah, like exactly. Everyone has their own circumstances, and that's okay. Right. But don't be salty about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, understand it, respect it, but don't be salty about it. Right. Because even then, everyone has their own circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe the next person had the same circumstances as you. Right. But they still found a way right. to put time into right. it. Right. Like rocks, right? You yeah. know, delivering pizzas the, and yeah. being a champion dancer at the same right. time. So, know? let's just be real. It was just too hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like breaking. I'm. I'm gonna be real. Breaking just got too hard for me, mm-hmm. which is why I gravitate towards house because right. it just made the most sense in my skill set in right. dance. Right now, do I still fuck around? Of course. Like I said, I just I dropped into a windmill, which eventually became a shoulder half ass shoulder spin mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still fuck around. I'm still a big fan. I still catch up on all the Rebel BC ones. Mm-hmm. I, I still go to the community right. jams here. You know, I, every now and then maybe I'll throw in a trip to freestyle session, right? For whatever, for for shits and giggles, because mm-hmm. I'm still friends with a lot of people in that right. community, right? And I have a high level of respect for it, and I'm amazed by it. Mm-hmm. But dude, it just got too hard. Yeah, and I just don't have the motivation to do it. Right, like I'll be maybe the fifth or f- fifth or sixth person to be real about that. Right. And then, and you're also actualized enough too, to not go out and start like, um, because like that that resentment can show for a lot of people, right? Like, you might think that you're speaking your mind and saying, you know, the problem with these young kids nowadays, blah 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 blah. But everybody else knows. They're just like, oh yeah, you you stepped away, and now you're feeling salty you know, salty about this shit, and you mm-hmm. want to still kind of be relevant, so you're trying to you know, get an audience and well, say, and then you have all these guys that try to mentor kids and shit right. like that. I'm like, dude, yeah, you have some experience, mm-hmm. but come on, man, you're not a fucking coach. Right. And, you know, and the, and the people that I always admired and respected were the ones who said, you know, I used to break back in the day, <clears throat> but I'm not going to call myself a B-boy. I, you know, I, I got into rap in a big, bad way, and I, I'm an MC. I'm a lyricist and stuff, or I got into writing graph as well or whatever. Um, but I always had respect for you guys, and I always keep up. Like, I, I, I check in, right? You know, so it's like I, I watch, you know, Battle of the Year, and then I watch uh, Freestyle Sessions, and I watch, you know, and it's like just to kind of stay. Oh, you're a fan. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like. You're just a fan of it. And, and those are the people that they're they're really like um they're the ones that when you have those conversations they don't look down their nose at like the the younger generation that's putting in the work right now because once upon a time they used to be that so they see it and they they go yeah and when they get to be 40 they're gonna get to a place where they're gonna say okay can i continue to do this can i still be a competitive dancer or do i need to pivot and do i need to understand my business sense maybe everything else that i was doing was able to, to like build me at this name and this persona and now I can use it for other ventures in my life to be able to provide for my family and to be an upstanding member of um, not just the dance community but the com- like the world community or, or my neighborhood or what have you and those are the people that you you turn around and you go wow yeah like 
you know, you did the damn thing. You you put in your time. You got your stripes. And then afterwards, you realize, too, that there's like a certain point where you can't soldier the way that you used to. So you have to go. You either have to go and get your stars and become a general or you need to go somewhere and sit the fuck down. And um, and the thing that like was so dope about um, with Soul Shifters and uh, Circle of Fire is that these are all people that are just like like you just know you can just feel the like the, they're like Akuma from Street Fighter like the aura is just like this like fiery red thing like where you're just like yo these people are just like they're all just tigers they're all just mad fucking talented and they all figured out different ways to pivot so they didn't have to sit there and say okay well I gotta live for the jam or I gotta live for the event it's like no I also do street art I do graphic design I am an architect I do business I you know deal in real estate like everything else they, they were able to apply that work ethic and that discipline they learned from their dance and from their art well they they kept uh dance <clears throat> and music they kept that as playtime. yep exactly you know because you need to have that place to decompress yeah. so that way you can you know do your nine to five mm-hmm. and bust your ass and do that shit and then say okay now it's friday i'm gonna go to this club event or i'm gonna go support my friend who's a dj or i'm gonna spin myself or i'm gonna make my music or you can take like a, a page from Coflo's book where he just said, I am, I'm always going to be an artist. So I have to dedicate myself to my art. Mm-hmm. And that's why he is getting, um, he's, he's, he's so productive in what he does Yeah, because there's other people that say, Hey man, I tried to make music and I realized that no one downloaded my, my first song and I feel real fucked up about that shit. So fuck it. I'm just going to like walk away from this. And he's just like, okay, well, it's on to the next one. He He's always moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is very admirable. And um, I'm very respect uh, in, I, I hold a lot of respect for his work ethic for that. And I try to like hold myself to that level of accountability in the things that I do too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you want to get really good at something, then just work at it. Yep. It's not rocket science. It's really yeah. easy. Yep. I want to get really good at golf. Mm-hmm. I worked at it. Right. I'm still working at it. Um, you know, I'm going to be going back to Amsterdam in February to compete in House Dance Forever. And guess mm-hmm. what I'm doing? Well, I'm practicing. Yep. I'm practicing um, not just for the battle, but just for the dance itself. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get acclimated again and just understand, like, the vibe of it and be natural with it mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, drilling it. Right. That's why I started teaching again, too, mm-hmm. just to kind of reteach myself because I'm not just teaching students i'm teaching myself right like shit let me try and figure this out yeah so if you want to get good at something just fucking work at it Mm -hmm. it's not not that hard but people seem to make it hard well you know and there's there's so many factors that come into play right you got you got things like people um i i had this like realization about california for instance um where people are like oh my god there's like the traffic is so bad and oh the cost of living is so high and this and this and that everything is so this and then i I just i sat back and i I just thought about it for a second i was like well it's beautiful weather it's a big ass state and the population is super dense there's a lot of people there so you can't think small town mentality in a place that's that broad you you have to realize that you know you're going to be interacting with a vast array of people so you can't be like in this this thing where you just think that well you know well I come from you know this place where you could leave your doors unlocked at night or you know no one would ever talk shit to me or anything like that I mean it's like you have to be realistic about where you're at 
And um, I think a lot of people, um, they they flub with their their discipline that way too. They think that, well, I was the best in my high school, so that means something. That's got currency. And it's like, well, yeah, you were the best in your high school, but guess what? There's college. There's professional stuff. There's intramural stuff. There's people that play street, you know, like street ball, for instance, and stuff. So, so you thinking that you're the shit because, you know, you were somebody in, you know, wherever your, your town was or whatever, that's cool. Um, but you have to realize that you might be a 10 in that neighborhood or in that environment, but you come out to a place that's like got everybody that's a 10 and you're back down at the bottom of the ladder. You're at like a two now and you got to work your way up. And that's, what's going to show that you have that discipline and um, that tenacity in your character. Cause you're like, well, I'm, I'm willing to go back and like restart and go back and be told, well, you know, again, if you're part of like the entertainment industry in LA, you're willingly going and being masochistically like rejected by everybody, you know, too tall, not tall enough. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too this. Your, your eyes are too brown. Your eyes are too blue. You know, you're not what we're looking for. Oh, don't worry. We'll call you. Have my people call your people. We'll do lunch. And then you're constantly being told no, 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 all the fucking time. And, but if you keep pushing, you get to a place where maybe you do something independently. You don't just say, you're not just waiting for like some studio to sign you, but maybe as you're waiting tables, you're also, you know, off doing something on the side and that gets recognition. And then people go, Hey, come in and read for us. Mm-hmm. You know, Hey, um, uh, who's your, who's your agent? You know, um, let's go ahead and l- let's talk next week. And then you got those other people that come in that are very thirsty where they walk around with their, their resume or their portfolio in hand and they hope that they can slide their script under the toilet stall to some big executive. And that guy's going to all of a sudden pick it up and read it and go, Hey, this is the thing that's going to change lives and shit. You know, he's just going to see it and he's going to fucking kick it off to the side and be like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yeah. Because you, you went through the wrong means. You didn't, you didn't start from the bottom, work your way up. You decided to jump like midway on the ladder and assume that you could just climb, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's another big thing that we have to realize as humans is that nobody owes us anything. Nope. We're not, we sh- we can't be entitled, mm-hmm. you know, and you're always going to be in a different place where somebody is going to be able to like look at you and look through you and be like, I'm not impressed. Yep. And you're going to be like, well, but this doesn't make sense. My mommy told me that everything is great. I'm the best person in the world. It's like, well, yeah, cause your, your mommy knows you. I don't fucking know you. So show me who you are. Don't tell me who you are. It comes down to how prepared are you to take rejection? Exactly. And also, in in your response, if you deal with it with dignity and grace, is that going to be the catalyst? Because maybe that person rejects you, and you turn around and you turn that into something that is um, like fuel. You say, okay, well, I just got to work harder, and I got to work smarter, and not just you know keep going. I kept trying to go through the same door and I kept getting blocked. And then one day somebody says, well, yeah, because you don't have an agent. That's why you're not getting this because you, you, you think, and this is what happens with people with, with employment, right? They think that if you just show up at a place and you say, Hey man, why don't you give me a job? And the person goes, what can you do? I'm here. You know, let me fill out an application. Let me, let me sell some fucking, some, some cars or some shit. Right. And the person's like, you don't have a skill set. 
So why would I want to employ you if you don't, I'd have to teach you all this shit. I want somebody who's already up on this. So if you're a person who says, okay, well, you know, I did this and I've got this prior experience and I, here's my resume and everything. The person goes, okay, this is very impressive. Now I can, those skills are transferable. So I'll just show you how you can do that in, you know, software or what have you. Well, it comes down to is like, I mean, even before skill set, how much value can you bring mm-hmm. to an organization, group, company, whatever? Right. <clears throat> uh, I, I learned this. I learned this from my CEO of, the com- of my company. You know, it's like you have to bring some sort of value. Like, if you don't bring value, then what's the point? Right. You know, like if you can bring value and show that you have some sort of value, mm-hmm. then you're going to get your foot in the door one way or another. And right. It may not be at the position that you want to be, but mm-hmm. you get your foot in the door. Right. So now it goes on. Now it happens like what you do from there. Mm-hmm. You know, like are you going to work your way to get to the position that you originally wanted to be? Or are you just going to sit there? Exactly. And eventually if you just sit there, then guess what? You're out. Yeah. I mean, and you typically see that, that weak link mentality, um, even in the job place, you, it's usually the guy in the, in the, um, the lunchroom that's bitching the most about everything that's doing the least. You know, he's the one who's like, hey, we should unionize. Oh, did you fucking hear? They're doing this and this and this. Man, they can't do that and all this other stuff. And then finally, one day, you know, HR finally looks and says, well, let's reevaluate what you do here, Ted. Why don't, why don't you explain to us, like, why you're an asset here? And now he's, like, all fucking freaking out and shit, and he's on the chopping block. Yeah, and it's like... Because you spent your time talking right. rather than doing something. Right, you know, and... The the thing is that, like, conversation is important. Being able to interact and be a people person is very important. It's a very important skill set. But then there's also those times where you got to shut the fuck up and dance. Yeah. Or, or train or, or whatever. Yeah. So It's very simple. Mm-hmm. But, again, like I've said, I've said this like five times already, people complicate it. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and then they sit there and wonder what the fuck happened. Right. I'm not perfect. Sometimes mm-hmm. I complicate certain things in my life for myself, but then, mm-hmm. you know, I just end up kicking myself in the ass afterwards saying, right. shit, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn regardless, but right. how many times do you need to learn? Right. You know, like you, you know it already. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us understand ourselves more than anything, especially mm-hmm. at, at towards the age that we're all coming to. I mean, I'm going to be 35 next week, right? next weekend. Right. So at this point in my life, I should already know better. Right. If you're a child, you're going to learn. Right. But at this point when, you know, when you're in your mid-20s to early 30s to mid-30s, like, you should already have an idea of mm-hmm. what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. So if you complicate it, good luck. Yeah, and most folks, they don't understand, too, that, like, you have to evolve. Your game has to evolve as you age because as you get older, the consequences will become, like, like more dangerous. Yeah. And because you're getting older, right? So yeah. if you're not growing, right. Then you're going to die sooner than later. We're mm-hmm. all going to die, but you're going to die sooner than later. And you're going to suffer like quicker. Like you, you're not going to be that person that finally like went through and says, you look back on your life and say, Hey man, I did everything that I could do to the best of my ability. And I had a, an amazing ride. Cool. I'm ready to go. Right. There's like those other folks that, will go through and they'll look back on their life and they have, have nothing but like regret yeah. and they are kicking themselves because they were like, man, I should have been fucking doing that. I should have been doing that in my twenties and my thirties and my forties. And I just kept ignoring all this right. stuff. 
Yeah, you know? and then there's people that just stay depressed mm-hmm. about it. Right. Like, I'm not where I need to be. Motherfucker, go do something about it. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's, yes, it's easier said than done, but it can be done. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, like, I've I've gotten some flack from people before, like, over social media. Like, mm-hmm. it's easier said than done to tell someone not to be depressed. I'm like, mm-hmm. absolutely, you're correct, 100%, but it still can be done. Yeah, because you... There's um there's a saying where they say that, uh, those who say it, it can't be done shouldn't disturb the ones who are actually doing it. Right. And the thing is that if you know that there's a weakness in your game, then the true strength of character um, is you're willing to suffer the um, the inconvenience of discipline rather than the pain of regret. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn around and you say, okay, I know that. I can stay out here all night and party and then I got to get up tomorrow in the morning and I'm only going to get like three hours of sleep and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to feel like dog shit and my day is going to be unproductive and I'm just going to hope to God that the day goes through uh, quickly and everything that can go wrong will go wrong and it's just a horrible day. Or, you know, the night before you stop and you go, what am I really going to get out of this? Like, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get shit faced with, you know, some of my friends and it's going to be the this this doesn't change this is the same shit different day so i'm just gonna take a knee tonight mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna chill i'm gonna i'm gonna you know lay back in the cut i'm gonna make some dinner i'm gonna watch netflix for a little bit or whatever and i'm gonna get a, a good night rest and then i'm gonna be ready for tomorrow and then on the weekend then i can go like i've, I've earned that time to really you know relax and everything but there's a lot of people that they, they, they've got FOMO, right? Their fear of missing out. And yeah. they are like, well, but, but the thing is going on on Tuesday, man. And if I fucking miss out, well, then I'm not really doing my thing. And I'm not, you know, and it's just like, but realistically, no, man, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, sure. The minute you mention, mm-hmm. like, there might be one or two people that'll be like, damn, where were you at, bro? Mm-hmm. How the fuck does that affect them? Right. They were already, they were there. Right. What does it matter to them if you weren't there? Right. That's kind of concerning if they were Mm -hmm. wondering where you're at, you know, because maybe they didn't have enough fun. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. um, Fuck was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Something about fear of missing out? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I've been doing this one thing, doing this lately. Uh, for the past few months where I just wake up mad early, mm-hmm. like 5 a.m., mm-hmm. 4.30, 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it is like the most joyful thing in the world. Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah, maybe like I'll wake up, like maybe I might even only get like four hours of sleep or something. Mm-hmm. But waking up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. is like the most joyful thing because mm-hmm. like everyone's still fucking asleep. Exactly. And yep. like everyone's just like. You know, it just feels so good. Like you mm-hmm. feel like you get like a head up on some people, right? You know, and it's not it's not a competition, right? But it's like you have more time, mm-hmm. and the sleep is better too, right? I don't know. I just been. I just want to mention that. I don't know. Well, you know, I've been working out too for like five a.m. Well, I can tell, man. You got some uh, arms on you now. I'm like, I was like, fuck, man. You, you curling or what? Did you use both hands this time? Yeah, you both. <laughs> <laughs> curling this long dick all right all right all right um but uh but yeah man it's just like there's there's something to be said about that i i used to do that as a little kid um i used to wake up like 
stupid early, like right at like sunrise. Mm-hmm. And this isn't normal for a seven-year-old. No. I would get up at seven o'clock in the morning. I would climb out of my window um, back when I was living in my uh, my house in um, Crystal, and I would sit on the rooftop and I'd watch the sunrise, and then I would like start my my adventure for the day. I'd grab my my skateboard and I would just start skating around Crystal. I mean, it's fucking insane because you know it's just like you know anybody that that does that shit. You know, it's like there's no phones back then, so you know, what would stop somebody from snatching me up and, you know, throwing me in the trunk of a car. But guess what? Those motherfuckers are asleep too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I totally took advantage of the fact that everybody else was still, I was like two or three hours before or ahead of everybody else. And I just got so much out of that. And, and it's like, and there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of value in uh, solitude Mm-hmm. Um, some people are like, they can't stand to be alone with themselves, right? They, they freak out. They have to go to the party or they have to go to something. They have to talk. They have to do something. Right. And every once in a while, man, it's just like, do yourself a favor and just completely take yourself out of like the public sphere and just do something for you Yeah, that, you know, go out to, you know, it, even, even like when it, when it came down to like me traveling, you know, I used to be that where I was kind of like, oh, man, I need to travel with the crew. Mm-hmm. And that's valuable. It's very valuable. But at yeah. the same time, it's also equally as beneficial if you go places by yourself. You're more mobile. You're 100%. more responsible. You mm-hmm. decide, hey, man, this place is kind of whack. Well, I got my rental car. I'm just going to jump in here and fucking leave. Go yeah. to Jack in the Box or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to sit out here with you know, the seven other people that I'm sharing a van with. And, like, we're all deliberating in the parking lot on where we're going to go eat. You have your own exit. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I've, I've said that to you before, too. I right. I mean, think about the times when you're, you're talking about traveling. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm, I might fly out a different day. Yeah. Yep. I love, like, me time. Mm-hmm. You know, where I just, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, too. Right. Like, I mean, think about today before you got here. Mm-hmm. By myself the whole time in my office. Right. Just watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. Fucking around. Yeah. Do, getting a little bit of work done. Mm-hmm. Because I'm already here anyways. I might as well. Right. Go next door to the tenant and say, hey, give me your fucking lease. <laughs> yeah. Some shit, you know? But it's it's like the, it's the one of the best things ever. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I am the only child, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of used to that. Right. But, you know, like I'm one of those guys where I'm like, I don't need to call someone every five minutes. Right. You know, or I don't need to talk to someone. I, I'd rather go to an event, meet up with people, mm-hmm. sure, um, but leave at my own time. Exactly. Um, I mean, the first time I've ever flown by myself, I was like 15, mm-hmm. f- 14, 15, mm-hmm. flew overseas by myself. Yeah. To me, with, with my parents, with my mom mm-hmm. you know, in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. But I was still going by myself. Right. You know, first time Europe by myself. Yep. You know, it's, it's calming. Right. You know, and. And you learn a lot, and actually, you're more present too right. because mm-hmm. you don't have anyone else around you. Like exactly. you're way more present. You're like fuck, right? Because if you don't watch your own back, you're getting fucked up. Yep, exactly. It's a it's a good it's a great thing. And and then there's like there's the benefit too of like when you do get to meet up with people from that that launch pad, you appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, for instance, like when I went out to the bay, it was like um, I was really um, I was really like apprehensive for I didn't want Jardy to do it like everything for me 
Mm-hmm. That's why, like, I had a rental car. I was like, listen, man, you're already kind enough to, like, host me. So I don't want you to be obligated to have to take me to, like, every single solitary place. It's only if you decided, like, hey, man, I got some free time. I'd love to take you to this place and kind of see, like, how you respond to this or that. And I was like, okay, that that was dope. But at the same time, I mean, I, I fucking went to Oakland by myself. And I went to... um uh whatchamacallit by myself, um, San Francisco by myself. Um, I know a lot of other people that would have been like, you know, shitting kittens, you know, just with the prospect of that. Cause they go, I don't know anybody out here. I don't know what the fuck to do. Good. And, and I was just like, I mean, I had my contacts, but I wasn't like completely dependent on that. It was just a nice little added bonus to be able to have, you know, like a travel buddy for like certain things. And then afterwards be able to go, okay, well I'm going to go on walkabout now and uh, I'm going to go meet up with Rob and train and stuff. And come back, and he's like, "Hey, man, how was it?" I was like, "It was dope." He's like, "Everything was cool." I'm like, "Yep," and you know, and it was just like everything was chill. Um, I think that when you're young too, if you didn't have those types of experiences, um, it can be very scary, it can be very daunting. But if you know how to travel and you're comfortable within your own skin, it can be super liberating. Um, it's only when people reek of being a tourist that that's usually when the bad tourist shit happens to you right yeah you know? i mean if you don't yeah no i think uh one thing one thing too is growing up in the bay area you know here in minnesota you have school buses mm-hmm. right like yellow buses there we have sam trans we have public transportation right so starting in elementary school kids were not on school buses mm-hmm. we were taking public transportation like our own parents, specifically my grandparents, because my parents couldn't afford it. Right. But they would get me like a seasonal bus pass, mm-hmm. and they would renew it every time because that was the way I got to school. And right. then I would see my friends. And, I mean, you just – now that I think about it, it's like, holy shit. You mm-hmm. put a bunch of like first, second, third, fourth, fifth graders on a bus with a bunch of creepy strangers. Yeah. Like just imagine that. So I think right. growing up in Daly City like put a, gave me a lot of thick skin. Yeah. In that regard, you know, and didn't make me afraid of, you know, the unhoused right. population. Right. That especially the ones that we have going out here in Minnesota. I'm mm-hmm. like, people are freaking out, but I'm like, dude, this I grew up with this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen this shit. Like I've seen my uncle bring in an unhoused person mm-hmm. um, in into my grandparents' place. You know, mm-hmm. just to house them for like a, a few days. So, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Can we go check that out? Yeah, probably should. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll wrap uh, this up. going to wrap it up from here. I uh, just want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Styles and Driss. And, uh, yeah, have a good day. All right, peace, peace, everybody. Peace.